Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Houghton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. Many of the topics that I cover on the show, they take a while to actually get my head around. And what I mean by that is I'll often have an idea and I might ponder it for weeks at a time until I'm finally able to kind of put it out on the show. And the reason for this is because I'm often influenced by other people that I meet. And tonight was no exception. So we had our second meetup tonight for the Financial Independent Ireland Limerick meetup. And we had a small group of people, seven or eight of us come along. And it was good because it allowed us to kind of have more intimate chats and for it to be a little bit more informal. One particular gentleman that turned up, he was an older gentleman. He was brave enough to let us know that he was actually financially independent. And naturally, we were keen to pick his brain as to how he did it. By the way, I will link to the Financial Independent Limit Group in the show notes in case you are interested in coming along. It uh, runs every month. But back to this particular gentleman. He became financially independent through having three rental properties. And basically the income that was coming in from those rental properties had offset his previously worked income. And that was enough for him to retire, which was amazing. I'm going to jump back to this shortly because I want to jump back to, I guess, the first two paths. And I mentioned in this episode, there's going to be three paths to financial independence. And it's his particular path that I want to dedicate the episode to simply because the other two paths I've already covered in previous episodes. So for me, the path that uh, I've been covering recently, which you're probably sick of me piping on about at this stage, is obviously the pension route. So effectively, you can cruise your way to financial independence. The second route is to do it through companies. Obviously, a corporation pays lower income tax and then investing through your company. And effectively, how you're paid then is the idea is that that corporation has investments and then you're paid through wages. And effectively, after a while, you no longer need to work to get money through the company. Your company basically becomes an investment company. The drawback to this, and I didn't realize this when I released episode 12, and I only discovered this recently when my tax return was due for the 2018 year, is that when you have a corporation and you have investments, there's very strict guidelines when reporting to revenue on the particular investments. So in my case, my accountant was very strict on me to get all sorts of paperwork through on, say, the peer-to-peer lending, or when there was a capital gain, he wanted very specific documentation and statements. Whereas obviously, if you're investing within a pension, you don't have to worry about that. And even if you're investing personally, the guidelines are fairly loose, as long as you could show in an audit what the profit was. The problem with the corporation is you end up paying an accountant a lot more money because you need to go through and show all of the stuff to the accountant. And obviously that takes time. And typically an accountant is billing for their time. So it's just something to think about. And it's certainly been a lesson that I've learned this year. Uh, And as I mentioned, it's kind of a new update on what I released in episode 12. So what's the third option? Well, I'm going to go back to the gentleman that I met at the meetup tonight. So he basically told us that he managed to get himself in a position where he had a gross income of around 40,000 euros per year, which was fully passive. And he mentioned that he did have a small pension that was coming in. Uh, He was a little bit invested in peer-to-peer lending, 
but most of his income came through from the three or four investment properties that he had. And he couldn't help but say it with a small twinkle in his eye when I said, wow, that must be an extremely tax-efficient investment. And he said, yes, because it is earned income and I don't have any working income, as in I don't have any income from a job, the tax rate's only about 19%. And somebody in the, in the audience was smart enough to basically say, well, hang on a second, was it hard for you to pay tax at 50% for a while on those investments while you were working? And he said, yes, it was. He basically did that for about five years where he had a lot of pain. And if you go back to the previous episodes that I've done, I've mentioned that I've avoided some of these investments because I don't like the fact that they fall under earned income. And effectively, I don't want to be paying 50% tax on the investments. But one of the considerations that I forgot and was rightly pointed out to me today is that if your ultimate goal is to eventually replace your earned income as an income that you earn from working, then having a taxable income at your earned income rate in the long run is actually going to be a good thing. So back to our gentleman from the meetup tonight. So effectively what we're saying is he has investment properties. They're bringing him in an income which is taxed at your personal tax rate. He has a little bit of peer-to-peer lending, which is also taxed at his personal tax rate. And he has a pension that he had, which is bringing in a little bit of money but he definitely doesn't rely on that pension in terms of his retirement. And I had to ask the question, and I'm so glad that I did because the answer surprised me. I said to him, I said, what is your net value of your assets? As in, what is the combined asset value worth? And he paused for a moment and he said, about 400,000. And I thought, wow, okay, so he's actually generating 40,000 euros a year from 400,000, effectively 10%, which is roughly in line with our pair-to-pair income and estimates, but he's actually doing that with property as well, which is great, and I guess the great thing for him is it doesn't matter if his property prices go up or down, because as long as a rental yield stays the same, he's going to be happy, and this is an important aspect. And look, we could touch more on property and the fact that it is difficult to find property that actually produces a positive cash flow. But he's obviously had the advantage of buying those properties 10 or 15 years ago, and the rental income has increased over time. And there's nothing to say that that wouldn't be true today. If we bought a house today, yes, it might have negative cash flow for a couple of years, but in the long run, rent prices will likely continue to go up. And the reason the 400000 was so interesting for me was because the alternative would be to have a pension pot of a million euro. And I'm basing that on the fact that he's looking to withdraw 40000 a year. If we were to apply our 4% rule, then effectively we could withdraw 40000 a year, knowing that our capital will be safe. And the reason that safe withdrawal rule is there is to account for the fact that equity markets can be extremely volatile. It could be a case where your 1 million pension pot goes to half a million. It literally halves. If we had another great financial crash, that could happen. The 4% rule is designed to protect your pot, but that can be pretty frustrating in terms of your money could suddenly cut in half, and it can also be extremely stressful. Whereas if we look at this gentleman's position now, even if we were to have another housing bubble, which we could very well have, unless rental prices were to suddenly halve, that's his only real risk. And frankly speaking, it's fairly unlikely that we're going to see rental prices halve, even if we had another recession like we did in 2008. So you might argue that he is actually in a stronger position 
than he was if he had a pension. Now again, and I need to make this perfectly clear because this is important. I've mentioned this before, that the podcast is a journey. And it's also a process of me trying to work this stuff out as I go. And so I can appreciate that some of you might be screaming back at me now while you listen to this saying, well, hang on, Mike, you've just told me to invest in a pension. And now you're contradicting yourself. Look, again, I hear you. But what I'm trying to do is present the different options that you have. Because there is no right answer. You could do all of this, you could do some of this, you could do none of this. But I think, ultimately, you need to pick one of the three paths. And it needs to be what you're comfortable in. Why haven't I invested in property? Well, for starters, I am a useless handyman. I am no good with my hands. Am I any good at picking out a good property from a bad one? Maybe not. I'm more of a software guy. So I just don't know if I necessarily have that in me. But if you're in a position now where you have a job and you've already got the money coming in and you have a high savings rate because of that and you're able to actually save up for a deposit for an investment property, then this could be a good option for you. But the one key takeaway here and the one thing that he did mention is that this didn't just happen overnight. This was a 20 to 25 year plan that he had and he made many mistakes along the way. At one stage, he actually lost a significant amount of property. It wasn't a case where everything worked out perfectly. It wasn't luck. It was hard work and perseverance that ultimately paid off. And I don't believe that any of the paths are better than the previous one, as long as you are doing something. So put money in your pension. That's a good thing. If you've got a company, keep money in your company. That's a good thing. If you're able to save up money personally, ideally at a low tax rate, great, do that. Try and do everything that you can to learn what you like, but also, again, diversify. That is kind of the key here. But I guess one of the takeaways from this is don't be afraid to pay that 50% tax now, knowing that ultimately what you're looking to do is replace your primary source of income, which for most of us is salary through wages. Ultimately, we need to be thinking about what our financial situation will look like when we remove that. And in this case, as I learned tonight, it can be tax efficient when we pay our personal tax rate when we don't have earned income to worry about. As always, if you have any questions on this episode, reach out to me at michael@firepodcast.ie, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're a big fan of the show, why not become an Irish Fire Podcast member for free? Members receive access to inside information that isn't shared on the podcast, as well as regular updates such as the monthly newsletter. To become a member, visit www.firepodcast.ie.